Hello and welcome to the Root Simple Podcast, the audio companion to the Root Simple blog, where we cover gardening, home economics, and DIY living. In Episode 8, I'll speak with Aaron Alderson about milling your own flowers. I'm Eric Knudsen, solo on the podcast this week, being the baker and miller in this household. Kelly wanted me to do this interview and was justifiably afraid I would geek out on the subject. My guest, Aaron Alderson, is the author of The Homemade Flower Cookbook and runs a vegetarian blog, Naturally Ella. She's a big fan of whole foods, healthy eating, and locally sourced produce. Welcome, Erin, to the Root Simple Podcast. Thank you for having me. I gather that your book uh, starts it starts kind of with a personal story of, of why you got into whole grain. And I wonder if you could uh, tell that story. Uh, yeah. So it was my sophomore year of college. And up until that point, my family and I weren't the healthiest of eaters. We were the kind of typical middle class family who would survive on fast food in between moving about different things. And my sophomore year of college, my father and I were playing ice hockey and he went to sit on the bench and told me that he wasn't feeling the best and come to find out he had had a heart attack and went in for a quadruple bypass. And that was kind of a a wake up call for all of my family because we realized that diet was a huge part of that. And from there, we really started focusing on eating healthier and healthier meant more whole foods and less processed foods for us. And why are whole grains better than processed grains? Well, the whole grains keep all the nutrients in. Um, a lot of the, the flowers that have been pre-milled and kind of gone through a processed state that you can buy in the grocery stores often have a lot of the nutrients uh, processed out. And so by keeping those nutrients in, the, the whole grains are really good for your body. Now, it's kind of a big step, at least it was for me, to start milling my own grains. And the the thing that that got me really confused at first was how to do it and what kind of, of mixer to use. Um, I ended up buying a, a nice mill, but I wondered if we could go through some of the options because it's not, not just a mill that you can use. I know you mentioned in the book uh, Vitamix, which is something that people might already have, and even uh, food processors. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if we could step through some of the options for milling your own flowers. Of course. So it kind of, uh, there's a big range of, of items that you can use, um, ranging from uh, like a $30 coffee grinder up towards the more expensive grain mills. And I always recommend that if a person's just kind of dipping their toe into the idea of grinding their own flour to either go with a, something they have, might have on hand, like the high-speed blender, or um, purchasing something like a coffee, a cheap coffee grinder, or um, the manual Grain grinders as well can be a little bit more inexpensive and really easy to start out. Um, The coffee grinders are good for really small batches just to test out. And the hand grinders, which you can purchase for about $50 to $100, can grind through pretty much anything. It's a good upper body workout, but I really like it because it's a a nice way to enter into grinding at home. I I know some people have complained about manual mills being a lot of work. So I assume you you took the step up to an electric one eventually. And and if so, what kind did you did you choose? 
I actually, thanks to my having a blog, I was sent a wonder mill as, as kind of a review process. And so that's really how I got into to kind of grinding It's because I was sent this product and didn't really quite know what to do. And so I took to the internet and started researching all of the different things I could grind. And that's how the whole grinding my own flour at home started. Have you tested out manual mills as well? I have, and I can't think of the name of the ones that I've tested right now. I'll have to think about that. The Wonder Mill does have a, a manual one, but it's a little bit more expensive, and I've not tested it out. I, I always go on Amazon reviews, and I kind of take them with a grain of salt, but you can read through those and, and see which ones might work for you. Taking a step back to the coffee mills and the smaller mills, what kind of uh, recipes do you like to do with those? I mean, I, I should back up and, of course, say that that your book is about much more than just making bread. There's there's lots of other sorts of recipes in there as well. And, and we, we tend to think of flour being bread, but of course there's many other uses for grain. So what these, these smaller mills, what are, the, what are some of the, the favorite, uh, well, your favorite recipes uh, to use with those? Um, I like anything that I can use with small batch flours. Um, and that doesn't even include grains. It can go to legumes and nuts and seeds. Um, one of my favorite things is to mill flax seeds in the coffee grinder. And I actually have a quiche crust in, in the book for little mini quiche that's made out of flax, ground flax seeds. Back to mills, though, when people are thinking about buying a mill, what are some of the considerations? Because I know that my mill will only do uh, basically flour. I can't do nuts and things like that. So what are, what are some of the uh, options in, in mills? Um, well, like what you said, the electric grain mills aren't good for any of the more oily items like the nuts and the seeds because it'll clog the, the grinder. Um, and so if you think that you're going to be grinding more nut flours than anything else, I highly recommend like a food processor or the high-speed blender, because especially the food processor, because that's one of my favorite kitchen gadgets and can be used for so much. Um, and that's really good for the nut, the nut flours. Um, if you're more into the hard grains, the both the gluten and the gluten-free grains, I love my electric mill because it can power through quite a few grains at one time. Um, and so it just kind of really depends on on what you're what you think you're going to be most grinding, and that's kind of why I still like the, the hand grinders because even though it's a lot of work, you can kind of figure out what you're going to be grinding the most and and, and go from there because the hand grinders often can grind anything. And as you said, it's quite the workout. It is. It really is. <laughs> now, one of the things, one of the reasons I bought a mill is because whole grains don't last forever and i wonder if you could speak to the issue of freshness how how long do whole grains last and is that you know is that a good reason to get a mill so a lot of times um the flowers in the store have been so processed that they have a longer shelf life um which in return does strip out some of the nutrients and does take the flour through more of a, a processing stage and by grinding the flour at home, you not only keep the nutrients, but you can also do smaller batches because the home ground flour will go kind of rancid quicker. Um, it does keep in the refrigerator and the freezer for longer periods, up to probably about six months, I think. And so you can kind of keep that freshness, but I really like grinding at home because the nutrients stay in and you can do the small batches and really keep all the nutrients. So the freezer is the best option if I have extra flour to store? Yes. And 
One of the things I discovered milling my own flour is that whole grains are significantly different than the flours that you buy at, at the supermarket. And are there different ways that you have to work with those flours? Uh, definitely. So the, the main difference is that when you grind, say you grind whole wheat berries, um, compared to say wheat flour you get at the store, even the wheat flour you'd buy at the store has some of the, the germ and the bran removed to make it a little bit more fine flour and closer to what you're normally used to working with. And by grinding that whole grain, it keeps all of the parts of the flour together. And it can often lead to the flour weighing a little bit differently, which is why I always recommend weighing flours and weighing your ingredients rather than just using like a cup scoop. Um, and then it can also result in different textures, especially for pastry dough and items like that. It can, can create a more crumbly texture or it just takes a little bit of figuring out to kind of work out what's the best way to work with the flours. Uh, can I do pastry with a with home milled flour? Um, I do. I actually use soft wheat berries and create and my uh, grain. The grinder that I have has a pastry setting, and so I get that nice, fluffy almost flour that works really well in pastries. I have one of my favorite pie crusts is actually in the book using the um, home ground soft wheat berry flour. You know, another issue I've had is consistency because store bought flours often are tweaked for for consistency but i've noticed with home milled flour there's significant variation between batches and i wondered how how you deal with that how you work with that issue a lot of trial and error on on my part because i i am very much a if it wasn't for the cookbooks i probably wouldn't follow uh, recipes very well or I, I tend to use my senses more. And so often when I'm working with some of these different recipes that are using these flowers, I'm, I'm constantly feeling the dough, watching how the dough is reacting, and, and using kind of all of my senses to, to really figure out how the recipe is going to turn out. The hydration ratio has been an issue for me, how much water to, to add. And that, that seems to be one of the things that I learned. And I, I don't know what your experience has been with it in terms of whole grain and, and water. Um, it's definitely, yeah, that's one of the, the really tricky parts, especially for some of the alternative flours um, or even some of the different wheat flours. I remember when I first started working with einkorn flour, which is a considered one of the ancient varieties of wheat, and I was making hamburger buns and I kept adding flour and adding flour and the dough still looks sticky. And I ended up with hamburger buns that were solid rocks because einkorn flour actually absorbs water during the process. And so you want to leave the dough sticky. And so that's just kind of one of those trial and error things that, that once I figured out I was okay. But it's definitely an interesting way to figure out the water ratios. Speaking of einkorn, do you have a favorite use for einkorn? Because I know a lot of people are interested in that grain. I um, love einkorn. That's actually one of my favorite wheat flours because it has a nice, almost sweet, buttery taste to it. Um, I like pancakes are probably my favorite. I have a ricotta pancake in the book that is actually gluten-free, and I um, reused it on my blog and did an einkorn ricotta pancake, which was really good. Um, if I can, I actually have friends that are coming out with a full einkorn cookbook in the fall and i think it's going to be really good so it's definitely a cool flour to use you mentioned gluten-free uh do you have uh some grains that are good for for gluten-free recipes i do i actually have a, a whole chapter on different gluten-free grains and the thing with the gluten-free grains is that it's um you want to try and especially for baking with them and other items it's really good to mix grains the the flours and the starches together to come up with 
um, a flour that works kind of like all purpose, um, because using just a gluten-free grain by itself can result in a little bit of disappointment when you're making recipes. What are some of the additives you use to, to get that good consistency with a gluten-free recipe? Um, so I'll often start with two to three different flours. Um, for example, one of my favorite combinations is sorghum, oat, and oh, what's the third one? Sorghum, sorghum flour, oat flour, and sometimes buckwheat flour because I, I like the unique taste. And that usually results in about two-thirds of the amount of mixture. And then the other third is starches. Um, and I'll typically use cornstarch, tapioca starch, um, or arrowroot starch, or a combination of the three. Xanthan gum? I tend to stay away from xanthan gum. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I found a way around it. In fact, I don't think there's a single recipe in the book that has it. <laughs> Great. Now, speaking of some of the other alternative flowers, uh, teff. Teff, what, what do you like to do with teff? And what, what, well, I guess step back for a moment. What is teff and, and uh, what do you do with it? Um, teff is a, it's a gluten, it's considered a gluten-free grain, but it's actually a seed of a grass. Um, and so, but it, it acts like a grain and I love the flavor with chocolate because it really enhances the chocolate flavor. Um, in fact, one of my favorite, I, it's really hard for me to keep calling every recipe favorite, but they really are, um, is a chocolate bundt cake that has the teff flour and it really just enhances the chocolate flavor. That sounds great. <laughs> now your book also addresses pasta. Uh, what is durum wheat and, and how do you use it to make pasta? So durum wheat is, again, a different variety of wheat. And the semolina flour that you can buy in store is actually flour that comes from processed durum flour. And I like the flavor and the texture of the durum flour is really makes some wonderful whole wheat pasta. Um, but because the, the protein and gluten levels are different from traditional wheat, it's not good for bread because it doesn't help that rise as much. But again, makes really nice tender pasta. Speaking of bread, do you have a favorite uh, flour or grain that you use for making bread? I tend to be a traditionalist and go with the hard wheat, which I think that's really about the only bread recipe I have in the book is for, for the hard wheat berries. Because um, I like to have a little bit, I, I branch out and do all sorts of different recipes with flour. <laughs> now, of course, there are different varieties of, of those hard wheats too. Have you, have you explored uh, that issue? Um, I tend to stick with the, I do white hard wheat. Because it, my husband is not the biggest fan of the wheat flavor, and that kind of is a little bit lower key. And then I believe it's the spring crop, again, because of the flavor aspect of it. And going back to some of those other alternative grains, amaranth is another one that's in your book. And I wondered if you could uh, say what you like to do with that. Um, so amaranth is is definitely, it's one of those small grains. It's similar to teff in that it's actually a, a seed. And amaranth has a unique flavor that is really earthy. And so I often use amaranth for breading. Uh, we try and not eat a lot of fried food, but occasionally I'll use it for, I think one of the recipes in the book is, is um, asparagus fries with an amaranth breading that we really like. Now I'm lucky enough to live in a big city and actually uh, a friend of mine opened a mill here and I can access a lot of these things locally. Now, if someone is not so lucky, where can you find these grains? Um, there's a lot of good resources online. Um, I list a few in the back of the book, but 
obviously a couple of my favorites are Bob's Red Mill has a lot of these different grains. Um, some companies like Jovial um, specific are specific for one grain. Jovial makes einkorn berries and flour. Um, so I, I always encourage people to hop online because there's so many resources online that you can order from that it, it makes it fairly easy to get a hold of these. Indeed. And getting back to some of the grains, corn, what kind of corn do I use to grind and, and what can I do with, with ground corn? So I wanted to make it extremely accessible for people um, and kind of a fun, corn is one of those fun ones, I think, in my mind, in that uh, I used popcorn and I can get organic popcorn locally sourced here um, because I try to avoid the, the GMOs and all of that in the corn. Um, so I, I always like to know where my corn's coming from, but I always have popcorn on my house because my husband and I love popcorn as a snack. And so um, using either the, the the electric mill or even a Vitamix, which might be a little loud, but still works, um, you can grind corn into essentially what becomes polenta or corn flour. And buckwheat. Buckwheat's another one that, that people may not know about. And buckwheat is actually, buckwheat's one of those fun ones because it, it's, while it's a grain, it's actually part of the same family as rhubarb which I think once you find that out might help explain a little bit of the, the taste of buckwheat because buckwheat and kasha, which is the roasted version of buckwheat, really has an intense earthy flavor. Um, and I love it in waffles, um, especially paired with some of the other gluten-free flours. It's beloved by the Japanese, of course, I know. And, but unfortunately, in this country, it's often thought of as just a cover crop and not, not used as much as it perhaps should be. Well, and I think that's actually quite a few of few of the grains. I know growing up in the Midwest, we'd always travel, do vacations, and we'd pass fields of sorghum. And I always thought that it was used for animal fodder. And I knew of its, its syrup form too, because we, we have a good Swedish rye bread in my family that uses sorghum syrup. And I had no idea until I got older that sorghum could actually also be a, a wonderful gluten-free grain. Sorghum. You know, my wife, Kelly, was did not want to be on this call. She was afraid I would geek out too much on all of these... <laughs> varieties of grain but yes sorghum sorghum i have never worked with sorghum please please tell me what what i can do with that um sorghum is actually one of my favorite grains to use as a whole grain um it's about the size of pearl couscous um but when cooked up it has the consistency of like a cooked wheat berry where it still has that nice chewy texture but has a really mild and kind of sweet flavor um the flour is really mild and Again, adds just a little hint of sweetness. That's the sorghum recipe is actually, or the sorghum in the book is the one that I used for the ricotta pancakes. And they're, they're really wonderful. It seems like pancakes is a good, good sort of carrier for some of these grains that may not have the, the gluten qualities of, um, of bread uh, grains. So mm -hmm. I, I think that it's interesting to experiment with uh, pancakes. I, I've done that myself. Uh, Sonora wheat is, is one of my favorite wheat varieties to use for pancakes. And it seems like you get a good, you get a feeling for the taste of the grains, because I think that's another thing that people don't realize is when you buy flour at the market, you're getting flour, and they don't realize that there's this whole world of flavor with all of these, uh, both wheat and all these alternative grains as well. Do you have a kind of standout one that, that really was a surprise to you in terms of flavor and something that people might want to try? Um, I actually, I, I was really skeptical about the legume flowers because 
of some of the failed gluten-free baking experiences using garbanzo flour, because that's one of the more popular flours to use um, in mainstream gluten-free baking. And there'd sometimes be this strange bean aftertaste. Um, and so I was kind of hesitant going in working with these flours. But one of my favorite flours is actually black bean flour. And I made a pasta using this black bean flour. And it really had a nice mild taste and complemented whatever I wanted to put on. I think in the book, I used some corn with it. And it really, it kind of was surprising to me, but at the same time, I was really glad to be able to make pasta with black bean flour. There's an interesting history to it. I attended a lecture on the history of bread, and apparently uh, when times got desperate, people would start to grind beans and, and peas specifically. <laughs> and it was kind of known for that aftertaste. So it's interesting that the black beans didn't, didn't have that quality. Mm -hmm. Well, and also too, um, I talk a little bit about this in the book, um, you can grind the beans straight without doing anything to them, um, just the dried beans. Or what I recommend, and it helps the body process them a little bit better, is, is actually cooking the beans first, then dehydrating them, then grinding them. It takes a few extra steps, but it, it helps the body be able to absorb some of the nutrients and, and really process the flour a little bit better. Well, thank you, Erin. Is there a, a place, uh, you have a website, right? People can follow what you're up to. I do. It's naturallyella.com. And where can people find your book? Um, any place books are sold, Amazon, um, any of the local booksellers. Um, I think that's about it. So, and also it comes in ebook form as well. Oh, cool. Can I get your book through your website as well? I have a link on my website to go to one of the other sites that you can buy it. Excellent. Um, is there anything that I didn't ask that you'd like to talk about? Uh, no, I think that we covered, we covered a nice broad range. Well, thank you, Aaron, so much. It was great to talk to you. Thank you. It's great to talk to you as well. That was Erin Alderson. Her book is the Homemade Flour Cookbook. You can find her blog at NaturallyElla. That's naturally, E-L-L-A dot com. I've posted a link to her blog and book in our show notes, as well as some sources from her book on where to order grains. I'll add that if you're in the Southern California area, there's a new mill here where you can buy both flour, whole grain berries, and many other amazing milled products. The name of the mill is Grist and Toll in Pasadena. I'll also note that last year I purchased a Como mill. It's an electric stone mill. Uh, it's not cheap, but I'm very pleased with it, and I think in the long run it will pay for itself. It took some time to get used to milling my own flour. I definitely had to adjust the recipes I've been working with. But thanks to that Como mill, I now have instant access to fresh flour and whole grains of many different varieties. To leave a question for the Root Simple podcast, call us at area code 213-537-2591 or send us an email at rootsimple at gmail.com. We are at Root Simple on Twitter. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment for us in the iTunes store. Our theme music is by Dr. Frankenstein. Additional music by Roe. Thank you for listening.